Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo with Stewardship and Mission of Faith, and I'm joined today by Tom DeAngelis, Tom Terrace, and Don Gleichman. Guys, how you doing? Good morning, hey, Rob. Good morning. All right, so we're approaching Super Bowl Sunday, uh, so we are uh, we're so blessed to... Um, just to, to be here with uh, everyone at the studio, with uh, all you listening, and uh, you know what a what a super idea it is to gather around sacred scripture instead of just waiting for the Sunday, right? Just like the athletes prepare for their games, right? We need to be athletes for Christ and prepare to meet Him uh, at Mass. So that's what this gospel reflection is. So for those of you who are new, we just look at the gospel for the coming Sunday, and we just share from the heart what the Holy Spirit is uh, is speaking to us. So. Uh, if you're able to, why don't you grab your Bibles? Uh, this Sunday's Gospel is from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 5, 13 to 16. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. But before we jump into the Gospel, Don, if you could uh, uh, pray a prayer. We have a, a prayer book that we use at our Gospel Reflections. So if anybody's interested in receiving one or, or multiple copies, just get in, get in touch with us at Stewardship. It's called Stewardship of Prayer, My Daily Catholic Prayer. So uh, before the show, I asked Don if there's a, a prayer in our prayer book that has been touching his heart, and uh, and he said the prayer of abandonment. So, Don, why don't you lead us in the prayer sure. of abandonment? The prayer of abandonment. I abandon myself, Father, into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart, for I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Before we jump into the gospel, just that word surrender, when when I, when I, I'm sure I heard it a bunch of times growing up, but it didn't make sense until... Uh, December thirty first, two thousand and three, and it was that that was that moment where I finally said yes to our Lord for the first time, and it was reading something about surrender. So I guess my heart was ready. And someone just this past weekend asked me, "Well, what does surrender mean to you?" I was like, "That's a pretty cool question." So can I throw that out to you guys? You know, before we jump into the gospel, we just pray this beautiful prayer of abandonment. You know, Don, Tom, Tom, anybody want to give a shot? What does surrender when we say we we've surrendered? To the Lord. I suppose I could go back to the another prayer in the book, the Litany of Humility. And in prison, when I talk with the prisoners there, I ask them what they think the biggest sin is. And in prison, <laughs> there are all kinds of sins that are present. But they say that they believe that all of them begin with pride. And I say, okay, well, if all the sins begin with pride, what's the way in which you get rid of pride? And they said, well, the way to get rid of pride is you have to give it up, which means life will be more difficult, life will be more painful. So in the Litany of Humility, 
we ask to be freed from the desire for those things that fill us, that make us proud. To free us from the desire for these things. And then, if we're freed from the desire to be loved or acclaimed or honored or praised, then we're going to be, we're going to also be filled with with fear because fear comes when we know that giving up something get, makes us lose control. If we lose control, okay, who is in control? I mean, do I have any faith at all? It's usually a fearful time, at least the first few times. And so we ask the Lord to free us from fear. I think that if we can get rid of pride and embrace change and embrace the necessary change, things that come along with change, That'll help us a long way. So giving up, right? Surrendering, giving up your uh, your your desire your to be in control. Let, let's things. just say it becomes detachment. Okay. Instead of having control of things, let's detach ourselves mm. from it and just sort of sit back and watch God do it. Mm. That's awesome. D- did you have a moment in in your life that <laughs> you remember surrendering for the first time as a many many? In my case, I think God. Keep beat me over the head and squeeze me harder and harder between the rock and the hard place until I yelled, "Please let me out of here!" <laughs> Mercy. But I mean, it seriously, it wasn't. It was over and over again, okay. and, and I, I think that the first few times it was just a matter of like yelling, "Uncle," when somebody's hurting you. I wanted to stop, but eventually it became a desire to give it over to him because he did take care of things, and I, I can't. Mm. Awesome. Thank you for sharing, Tom, Tom or Tom. Any thoughts that you'd like to? Um, well, I've just been recently reading up on, um, I guess, the ancient philosophy of Stoicism. Tom, you might know oh, yeah, more yeah. about it. And I, th- I studied that in philosophy class. Yeah. yeah and I, I think, you know, I don't know much about it, but it's sort of like accepting sort of reality, accepting where you're at. And, and that's sort of like a surrendering, you know, like, so, you know, not, and they give like a lot of examples of these ancient people like Socrates or whatever, you know, they would accept the place that they were at, whatever it is, they could be in some sort of suffering or whatever, so that they, you know, they would accept it, not fight against it. That was the reality. So, um, you know, it's, I guess, a a form of surrendering, you know, accepting. Because I guess if we didn't do that, then is there any purpose in life, right? So if we accept what's going on in the moment, right, you know, it's... That God can use all things for good. That, yeah. that you know, our purpose is to know, love, and serve Him here, to be happy with Him forever in heaven. So along the way, and it's not like we, you know, don't want to, you know, get out of whatever it is, but to accept that's where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and then trust, right? Trust, trust in His providence in that yeah. moment. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Any 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 other thoughts from you, Tom? Yeah, I had a experience similar to yours. Um, I don't know if if Catholics sometimes appreciate the ahas that happened to us, but mine was at, uh, and I had been going to mass for several years by that time, uh, daily, and it was a, it was a morning mass. I don't remember the exact day, but I remember the time. I remember the experience, and I was listening to the words of consecration carefully for some reason. My mind had just kind of latched onto it that day. And when the uh, priest um, read, recited the words of consecration for the cup, it it hit me that I was forgiven, that Mm -hmm. all the sins that I ever committed in my life were forgiven because of that sacrifice. And, you know, at St. John of Arc, there's a huge crucifix on the the back wall there. And so I just kind of looked up at that. And 
and it, that was a point where it, it kind of hit me after all those years. And I was probably in my mid-20s, maybe later 20s, 28, 27, something like that, that uh, that that's what had been done for me. And so that's what – that sacrifice was – I needed to try to approach that sacrifice in my life. And that's where I think I made a commitment to. Now, trying to live that out is another thing, but – yeah, that was a that was a kind of a special experience, and I think I think people probably do, uh, you know, good Christians, good Catholics probably do have experiences like that, and don't realize that those are our, you know, personal acceptance of Jesus in our life. You know, people say, "Are you born again?" Yeah, I, I've been born again several times because we have those aha experiences that bring us yeah. closer and closer to Christ, and. You know, so I, it's not born again once. It's born again every time the Lord decides to give us that grace. You know, he brings us closer and closer. And so that was my – and that really kind of set for me the understanding of the word surrender because I looked up at the cross and I thought that's what it means. You ha- he had the whole universe under his control and he gave it up for us mm. just, just to come here to be a human being. Wow. And didn't he also accept? The fact that he was, you know, yeah. going through this and being crucified, he didn't fight against it or, you right. know, he, you know, that was his reality and he accepted it. And and on the one hand, we can see, you know, how, you know, how small we are as human beings and how sinful we were. And at the same time, at the same time, the incredible dignity that he bestows on us by saying, I'm going to become one of you. I'm going to shrink myself down smaller than the size of an ant, you know, in proportion to be one of you because you're that important to me. As miserable and as sinful as we can be, you know, that's – so anyway, that was my – that was the biggest wake-up call I had. That uh, So but had, living had, up to that is – I had a cool experience. You know, we're talking about need, mm-hmm. uh, needing our Lord. There's a beautiful song, Matt Marr, Lord, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. So oh God, how I need you. But every hour, I need you. So it's not a like Don. You're mm-hmm. saying multiple times, Tom, multiple times. Yeah. Like it's a it's a it's a life of abandonment. It's a lifelong journey of abandonment and detachment and surrender. Right. And the other day, I was in adoration. I was by myself with our Lord, and that song just came to my heart. And since I was by myself, I just sang out loud to the Lord. I was singing that song, and. Uh, it's just, you know, I had a just beautiful moment with, with our Lord there, just surrendering again, mm-hmm. singing that song, Lord, I need you. So I go home that night. My six-year-old daughter, Hope, asked me to, you know, tuck her in and, and lay down and, and just hang out while she's getting, you know, falling asleep. And as we're laying down, I hear this little six-year-old voice, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need I didn't tell her that I had that experience at adoration. Hmm. And she just started singing the song that I just mm. sung out to our Lord. Yeah. And then I started singing it with her. And now when we go to bed and you know, tuck her mm. in, she you know, Dad, Dad, can we sing our song? And we'll, we'll sing that song together. Wow. Yeah. And my, my 15-year-old daughter heard her doing it one night. And she left, my daughter left her room to come and just give uh, her six-year-old sister a little hug. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Lord, I need you. Well, <laughs> see, you, you gave that to him and he gave it back to you through somebody mm. very precious ah, to you. Yeah. yeah. He, you. you gave him that gift, and he gave it back to you. Mm, thank you. That's yeah. beautiful. Tom yeah. Terrace was mentioning uh, the Stoicism and how it's looking at things and saying, uh, "God, God's in charge of everything. I'll just accept it." We were in a "That Man Is You" class on Tuesday, and uh, one of the things that was presented to us was a very interesting idea. 
God doesn't make mistakes. He has some pretty significant plans that are all knitted together. But think about this. The statement was, God created us for, or you, for this specific time and place. And I was thinking about the world's history. As I, I really love to read history and see what's happened, how we come in circles in a way, over and over. And I think we're entering a time of having to stand up for our faith. Mm-hmm. And God chose us for this time and place. That's a very interesting thing to think about once in a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then what we reflected on last week, blessed are you when they persecute you. Yep. Yeah. And utter every evil against you because of me, right? Mm-hmm. Rejoice and be glad. Yeah. Your reward will be great in heaven. But in order to do that, we have to accept God's invitation, Jesus' invitation to be salt and light. Let's so, go to the gospel. Speaking of salt and light, let's uh, yeah. let's go to the gospel. Tom, want to want to read the gospel sure. for us? Uh, this is uh, from Matthew five, verses thirteen through sixteen. Jesus said to his disciples, "You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste," With what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so, your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Thank you, Tom. Salt and light. You know, there's a couple of very interesting things about salt that I think are interesting. It has to be kept in a protected environment. If it's not kept in a protected environment, it can be ruined. And... Among other things, I think Jesus was saying to the disciples, make sure you stay together. Maybe make sure you stay in church. You know, it's not just you and God, uh, Rob, and it's not just you and God, Tom. And it's us together with Christ because we can nourish each other. Hmm. But something else about, about salt was it's not only a preservative. It doesn't just preserve, and it also adds taste. I don't know if you knew this. I didn't know it until just the other day, but it also acts as a catalyst Mm-hmm. With young girls in the time of Jesus, their job was to go out and collect the patties that were dropped by the donkeys and the camels and to pat them in little, let's see, hamburger-sized patties and to coat them with salt. And they were put into a communal oven, not, not a community oven. They didn't need one for a community. They needed one for every few houses. And they put these patties coated with salt into a community oven and baked them because at the bottom of the, of the oven, they would sit these patties on top of a block of salt, and it would act as a catalyst to keep the fire going. Hmm. Think, of, think of charcoals in a charcoal fire that stay at the bottom white hot for hours and hours and hours. If you take one out and put it on the, on the rock outside, it'll, it'll die and get black. But if you put it back hmm. in, it gets white hot again. The salt does the same thing. It acts as a catalyst for the fire. Isn't that interesting? I never knew that. I didn't either. I thought it was interesting. And salt also um, is used for healing, right? So, mm-hmm, right. It's an antiseptic. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if we look at, you know, Jesus is salt, right? So, if we mm-hmm. want to be salty, we got to hang out with Jesus, yeah. right? So, yeah. uh, so if we do, then it brings flavor. You know, if if people see us just as a bunch of ho hum, you know, 
miserable folks. You know, we're not. Yeah. We're not. Who's gonna Who's gonna want to Who's gonna want to follow that, right? right? So you know, it has flavor. Don, like you said, preservation, but also healing, right? So if we hang out with Jesus, He will flavor us. He will preserve us. He will heal us, and then we can be that for others, right? In a life that's ho hum and boring, we can bring the beautiful flavor of our mm-hmm. Lord into that person's life. You know, if, if someone is is making decisions that are, you know, not God honoring and, and destructive to themselves or others, right? And we hang out with Jesus who is preserving us, we can share what he's done in our life and, and hopefully help someone else. And, you know, and the, the healing aspect, he heals our wounds. Then we hang out with others, share how he's healed our wounds. And, and maybe that could be an opening for our Lord to heal their wounds as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was also thinking about light when we look up at night. If there are not too many lights around, like near, uh, for not near a town, we can see a tremendous amount of stars in the sky and planets. The planets only reflect light, but the stars give light. That's why they're so much brighter. I remember when I lived in East Africa, I would hold up my hand at arm's length from my body and make the, the OK sign and look at the hole between my thumb and my index my, my pointer finger, and I could not count the number of stars in that small circle. Hmm. I don't think I've experienced that back here because I'm always around some light someplace, you know. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's amazing that you can see those light, see those lights, but the ones that are stars are much brighter than the planets. And we have to be, it says here, your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds. So it's good deeds that shine forth the truth. Mm-hmm. It's not just our thoughts and our words. Right. You know, there's another part of that, too, that kind of mildly haunted me, I guess I could say, <laughs> because because it does. It, it says exactly what you said, Don. It says that, you know, they your light must shine before others. So our light shining in you know, at home by ourselves is not it, or even in the adoration chapel, but our light must shine before others that they may see the good deeds. So Mm -hmm. they need to see those things. They need to know that we're doing those things, Mm -hmm. but also, and it's not or, but and glorify your heavenly father. So the challenge to me, and I went earlier in the week when we were, I was at a gospel reflection, we were kicking this around. It's like, People have to see your actions and your behaviors, and they do. I mean, we're always sending them some sort of a message with our behavior. But can they, when they see your behavior, can they see not just, oh, you're a nice guy, you do nice things for people, but they can see what you do that's sacrificial, that's generous for other people, and don't see you, but see God, see Christ in what you're doing. So they don't glorify you, you know, and then I, I came to this thought. The ideal would be not somebody says, oh, Tom, you know, you're a great guy. You do, you're generous. You give of your time. You do all this stuff. They, they look at me and they'd say, you do all that stuff. Glory to God because you're Amen. honoring him. And, but how do I get, you know, in the message that I send to people, how do I change the message from you're a good guy to glory to God that you're a good guy? Amen. You know, that that's the catch. Am I, you know, to your, you brought up about pride, Don. Am I doing it in a way that doesn't glorify God or that more to the point that more glorifies me than glorifies God? Am I saying anything about God? Am I, 
communicating anything about God? Is there anything in my behavior that leads people to believe that God deserves the glory for what's going on here? So it's a when you really look hard at that, it's a testy phrase. I mean, it 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 challenges you to be a better person. You know, I, I also wonder, like, uh, was, as I was reading this, I was thinking about like after Jesus died and he wasn't with them anymore any longer, and they were all in the rooms with the doors locked and everything, so they were afraid, and it wasn't until the Holy Spirit came, you know, to give them that wisdom and boldness to go out and be that light and the salt. So I think, you know, when you're asking, you know, those questions that we go to the, to, to, you know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit and say, you know, I need, I need you to give me that wisdom to be Mm -hmm. the light and the salt, you know, to not have that fear anymore, just like, you know, his disciples had right after, you know, he was crucified when they're, you know, locked up in the upper room right. before the Holy Spirit right. came. And that's interesting, too, because um, they were they were in prayer, it says. You know, they were in prayer. They were in deep prayer before the Holy Spirit came. But um, as a lay Dominican, one of the, th- you know, the Dominican order is an order of preachers. And one of St. Dominic's principles was... Before you go out and preach, you must have a deep, profound prayer life and a contemplative life that you can share with people. Otherwise, you don't have anything to share. You don't have an apostolate. And so our, you know, our charism of the Dominican order is that we, we do gather in the, in the upper room. We do you know, uh, pray deeply and contemplate deeply so we can share the fruits of that with other people. And he, to the point where he said, don't even go out until you've done that, you know? And I, I think of Mother Teresa's sisters, and I, I remember reading about their their day, and they get up and pray for s- several hours, mass and, and, you know, an hour of, of reflection and, and uh, meditation before they go out. And they, they work maybe four, six hours a day. Then they come back and pray. They, so they spend more time in prayer than they do, and yet they've been an incredible power and force for good in the world because they spend more time praying than they do serving, but they inc- there's an incredible impact that they've made, you know? Probably there's a lot of people, good people, who spend more hours at work than her sisters do but don't have the same impact because they're not bringing the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit out with them like the apostles did. You know, yeah. they, they go out and they convert 3,000 people the first the first sermon, <laughs> the first homily. <laughs> so Mother Teresa would always say, in addition to Mass... Mm-hmm. You have to spend an hour with our Lord. Yeah. So all the all the houses that they have, missionaries of charity all over the world, they have chapels, they have mass, then they have adoration. They stay with Jesus for an hour before they go out. Because uh, if not, then they're just bringing themselves out into yeah. the into the most needy parts of the world. That doesn't that doesn't do much good, yeah. right? And just look at Mother Angelica too. With you know, they they, they weren't able to work full time or full days. They they had right. they were only allowed to work I think four hours as well. Yeah. And then look at. Uh, Look, at God's a multiplier, right? So if we honor right. him with our time and our prayers, and he's, he's Yeah, I think John Paul II, too, would spend like an hour every day yeah. as the pope with all the responsibilities that he had, but he still would do at least an hour every single day. Well, that and then if you read Jason Everett's book or listen to his, his CD about Pope 
John Paul II that the, his when he was traveling, they had to be very careful that he didn't find a chapel or someplace to go. <laughs> Sometimes he'd get lost and they'd find him in a broom closet or something <laughs> on his knees praying because he just wanted to spend time. <laughs> and it was said toward the end of his life he could walk by a chapel that they had covered up so he wouldn't get diverted. And he just had he just knew it was there, and he would stop and he would he would look at his his monsignor who he'd say, "You tried to hide the chapel from me, and then he'd go in but that if you if you get a chance to listen to that c d by Jason everett, it's really good it's really good and that and the book is phenomenal too yeah, There's so yeah. many stories that have never been told about yeah. about his life yeah you know about about doing these good deeds, if good deeds are a way for our light to shine for others. We were discussing in, in a couple of different situations in the last week some situations of profound darkness. In these situations, suicide was, was the end result. And there was something common in each situation, and that was the people were always absorbed with what was happening to them. They were absorbed with themselves. They weren't, they weren't concentrating on doing things for others. Or, or, in other words, they didn't pay much attention to relationships. They weren't looking at those around them. They weren't looking at the situations in front of them. They weren't acting. Instead, they were sort of sucking their thumbs and thinking, woe is me, and things are really bad. I think if we ever start to feel depressed, we have to look at that and try to go out and do something for others. Because if we get outside of ourselves, if we get outside of ourselves, we can really change the darkness into light. Yeah, uh, It's interesting you say that, Don, because there's uh, one of the high schools that we work with said they're having a big problem with bullying, cyberbullying, you know, social media bullying. And uh, Marty Rotella, who carries the flag for, uh, for our Spirit Power ministry, uh, did a lot of work when he was in a school teacher in New Jersey with, with uh, helping kids through that. And he exhorted the kids that we were talking to. It was, uh, it was, it was a high school, so high school age young men and women, um, that the only way, like you said, Don, the only way you can improve your self-esteem is by helping someone else. Mm-hmm. The only way. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't talk about your own problems. You can't talk about woe is me. You can't talk about how everybody's against you. The only way exactly. to improve, because that, that's what bullying is. It's a self-esteem thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the 98% that are the, the bystanders, they need to go and help others to have an improved self-esteem so they can actually do something, right? The ones mm-hmm. who, are be- or who are bullying, you know, they need to go help somebody else. So their self-esteem rises, the ones being bullied, the same thing. So if everybody just focuses less on themselves right. and what they need, and that's what love is. Tom, you mentioned the word sacrifice yeah. earlier. And that's what love is. You know, when, right. when, that, when that national champion, when the coach from Clemson, after winning the national championship said, the reason why we won is because of love, mm-hmm. I mean, that's sacrifice. Yeah. So if we instill that in ourselves and in others, and we live a life of sacrifice. It's a game changer. And and even more um, phenomenal is the idea that everybody that got that made it to the national championship level or even competed in that tournament was a you know went through the same grueling stuff. But the motivation, the love, the reason why they did it for each other that was the game changer. Amen. So we're all called to to, to that same love, to that same self selfless love, that sacrificial love. We're all called to be salt and light. So God bless you all, and we'll talk to you next week. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. 
for information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.